Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. In January, we spoke to Caroline Phelan about her brother Bernard, who was on hunger strike in Iran at the time. And he was protesting because he believes that he's been held there against his will as a political pawn. And he denies all of the charges that um, the Iranians have held against him. His cousin, Greg O'Carry Crow, is with me today in the programme because the family's actually holding a press conference in Dublin today. Greg, since I last spoke to Caroline, Bernard has now been sentenced. Yes, thank you uh, for having me on the show, uh, Andrea. He has. Uh, he, he thankfully ended his hunger strike, um, but his health is still failing. And then just recently, uh, Bernard was brought finally before court and he was denied access to his own lawyer. And uh, with a very short uh, trial, he was first convicted of... Uh, uh, a spurious charge, um, providing information to an enemy country, which he completely denies, of course. And uh, he was found guilty and sentenced to 3.5 years. But the saga, sadly, uh, did not end there. Um, He was subsequently told, uh, because of his health condition, he he did have a doctor uh, and nurse present, and uh, because of his health condition, he was going to receive a pardon. Then, uh, five days later, six days later, uh, Bernard was hauled back into a court uh, with almost no notice, again denied uh, access to his lawyer, and the pardon was rescinded, uh, or was never completed, and he was now sentenced to six and a half years. So, you can imagine the, the devastation this has caused him and his family. Absolutely. Six and a half years, Greg. And is that in the same yeah. prison Caroline described? I mean, it was a, um, it, it was a maximum security prison, wasn't it? That he was he was been held in at least back in January. Yes, yes. So he's in a notorious prison in Mashhad, uh, in Iran, called the Kilabad prison. Uh, he's held in incredibly harsh conditions, uh, enduring uh, on top of everything. Uh, a very cold winter with very little clothes. Um, you know, um, his cell has no chairs, no tables. Um, and, you know, Bernard, unfortunately, on top of everything, you know, he's, he's 64 years old. He has a lot of medical conditions, which, of course, are, are now uh, have the man, his health is deteriorating. And, and frankly, he's in mortal danger now. But the, the, the clock is ticking uh, for all of us. Uh, and for Bernard. And so, uh, on top of everything now, the psychological blow alone of of uh, learning his face uh, has us all incredibly worried. How, I mean, Gregory, how, how did you, d- did you and, and Caroline and the rest of the family, like, what? how did you feel when you heard this sentence of six and a half years? I mean, uh, we were incredulous at first, you know. You kind of see it uh, coming across uh, in, in, in an email and you're just you're staring at the page, basically looking at six and a half years, and you can't believe this is really happening. You know, the nightmare continues uh, for this poor man, for his father, especially Vincent, uh, and for Caroline. Um, and so, really, this is why we are we are not only announcing um, these developments, but uh, we're we're having this press conference today. Um, 
to ask some really serious questions of the Irish government. He'd no legal representation in court either, is that right? That's correct. So, you know, he had retained a human rights lawyer, um, of whom he had, I think, only one meeting. So he'd been denied access to her for, for, for the entire duration. We're on day 156 right now. But he, he assumed, as he would, that if he was going to be brought to court, that he would finally get to have representation from his lawyer. And that was denied. He was assigned um, a state lawyer. The whole thing, frankly, seems a complete sham. Um, and it almost seems that the back and forth, the about turns that are being made, are, are meant to to really, um, I think, demoralize the prisoner uh, and his family. And so, um, you know, as well as being a pawn in probably a bigger game, it, it, you know, there's there's a lot of psychological kind of um, damage that's going on, and this is on purpose, quite clearly. How is Bernard's health at the moment? Because when I spoke to Caroline back in January, he had started um, a hunger strike at that stage. Like, how is he doing now, Greg? So unfortunately, well, fortunately, he he did come off the hunger strike, and I think uh, you know we are all obviously incredibly relieved of that. And that was another nightmare. I think we we all had to endure. But unfortunately, his health is is deteriorating dramatically. You know, um, you have that once vibrant, fit, active sixty-four-year-old man now a shadow of himself. Um, he is uh, close to losing the sight in one eye. He has chronic back problems, and he sleeps on a mat on the floor. Um, he has, uh, obviously, a chronic heart condition. And so all of these things are kind of now starting to, to sort of accumulate. Um, and I said the one thing you can't measure is, is the emotional and psychological damage. Mm. And we can only imagine, any of us, you know, what he's going through. And so we're, we're worried he feels abandoned and alone. Have you been and, and so, have have you or Caroline been able to speak to him or any of the family? His dad, even uh, Greg. He has only had three calls home in, in the entire five months, and so you know, at a minimum, we were we were asking the uh, the Irish government to to ensure that he could have regular calls home, that he could have legal representation, that he could have uh, better health, and um, but none of this has transpired, and and family and, and the support, there's an entire support committee now uh, at uh, releasebernerfeeling.com. Uh, we feel that, you know, no progress has been made. In fact, quite the opposite now in the last few weeks. Uh, the other thing that's striking to us, Andrea, is that we've learned that the Irish government is proceeding with normalizing relations with Iran and opening an embassy in Tehran. And so these two things seem to be sort of happening independently of each other. And I think a lot of people in Ireland are unaware of this. And we are basically asking uh, the Irish government to shelve those plans uh, until Bernard is brought home safe and sound. I know when I spoke previously to, to Bernard's sister um, here on Lunchtime Live, you know, she told me that the Department of Foreign Affairs, they were aware of the case. They were aware of, of Bernard's situation. Has there been much contact with them, uh, with the uh, Foreign Affairs Minister, over the past two and a half months now, Greg? 
There, there has been quite a lot of uh, communication with the Department of Foreign Affairs, and indeed there's several people um, that Caroline has been working with that have been really excellent in terms of, you know, communication. They're obviously very concerned about Bernard. Um, and, you know, every now and then we're told, well, just sit tight, um, we'll get back to you, we're, we're doing our best. Uh, and so, you know, we have patiently, you know, uh, done our part to, to sit back and, uh, and, and wait for progress. But we have no more time left. Bernard has no time left. Like, something has to happen. Action has to occur more than words. So we really want to change the whole dynamic of this situation, and I think it's really important that the Irish people um, realize that, you know, our government is busy normalizing relations with Iran, setting up an embassy, which is poor comfort to anybody who may have a son or daughter, you know, who's, who's being picked up off the street, blindfolded, thrown in a van, and uh, obviously, we've had no real influence on getting him home. He was there as part. Um, he he works as a tour operator, isn't isn't that right, Greg? He was there uh, with the CEO of the company. I mean, looking at tourist opportunities, isn't that why he was in the country in the first instance? Yeah, it's correct. Uh, so Bernard is a tourism consultant. He's a professional doing his job. He's been to Iran five times. He loves the Iranian people. He's often said he reminds they remind him very very much of the Irish. And um, so you know he knows what he's doing. Um, I mean he's intrepid in terms of where he wants to go, but he's very experienced and professional in what he does, and and he works with uh, colleagues in Iran. Uh, and the irony, of course, is here he is trying to generate um, uh, income. Uh, tourism. tourism income yeah. for the people of Iran. Yeah. The, 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 has the Foreign Affairs Minister, Micheál Martin, or the Department, um, met or held talks with any officials in Iran since Bernard has been sentenced? Uh, we're not aware um, of, of anything at the ministerial level since Bernard has been sentenced. And Micheál Martin, um, as you know, he was made several public pronouncements. He has met with the Iranian ambassador uh, to Ireland and also um, his counterpart, um, the Iranian foreign minister. But that's some time ago. And um, this is our concern that sort of things have gone um, maybe a bit quiet um, when things really should be ramping up. What's your message, um, I suppose, to the government? Really, like at the moment, if there's if if there's plans to reopen the embassy in Tehran this year, like is that would that well, be I seen as have a, a message? Yeah. Is it an opportunity yeah, sorry, no, to to allow for for greater communication, or can that be done irrespective of the embassy being there? So. Uh, I think we would we would expect that the argument would be well having an embassy in Tehran would would potentially improve uh, the situation for Bernard, and that sounds very logical, but it's sort of wishful thinking. And the reality is, we have a man who is essentially on death watch and may not have long left to live, and 
to us, the only lever or leverage that the Irish have is, well, we're not going to set up the embassy. We're not going to normalize relationships. We're not going to expand relations with, with Iran until we get guarantees that Irish citizens um, are going to be protected from being picked up off the street, thrown in prison, and basically forgotten. And so I think now is the time um, for the Irish government to step up and demand uh, those those actions be taken. Uh, and we just don't want to miss that opportunity. And, and the other message we have is to the Irish people who, uh, you know, listening to this, mm. uh, I'm sure can imagine if that was their son or daughter, you know, they're not going to leave a stone unturned uh, until they can bring him or her home. And to think that, you know, the Irish government is trying to normalize relations. Normally, you know, something like this happens to citizens. The first thing a, a government does is bring their ambassador home. So why are we going in the other direction? Look, just finally, Greg, I know you're holding the press conference later today to, to, to make that um, that plea to, to the government. But how is how is Bernard's dad doing at the moment? Like, Well, that's the other tragedy of the whole thing, uh, Andrea. You know, Bernard's father, as you know, he's, he's an old man. He's 97. And, uh, you know, he's, he's really worried he may never see his son again. And, and at the end of the day, no matter how much complexities there are to, to sort of geopolitical negotiation, this is a story about a father and a son. And this is a story about an old man who wants to see his son walk through that door. And uh, it's taken a terrible toll on Vincent. Um, so um, I think it's a very poignant Absolutely. Greg, look, we'll certainly be thinking of you and thank you very much indeed for joining us today on the show. Thank you for giving us the opportunity, Andrea. Take care. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.